the awesome uh, Dr. Reg. He is by far the best dressed guest speaker we've ever had. <laughs> I, even, even if he wasn't in the room, I would have already known that fact. That he is the best dressed speaker we've ever had. So um, without further ado, if you would welcome Dr. Reg as he's coming up, please give us the word. Well, glory to God. Y'all talk to me now. Somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. You know, the Bible says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Yes. Yes. Right? And it's freedom. It means liberty. It means you can express yourself. Mm -hmm. It means you can rest, relax, and have the time of your life and not be afraid to express your faith. Mm -hmm. You know, you only get, you, only, you know, you're only young once. I was looking at myself in the mirror, you know, because I'm still struggling and praying that God would deliver me from a little narcissism. So occasionally I catch myself looking at myself in the mirror and I, I saw all these gray hairs. <laughs> you know, I kid you not, the first time I came to Ottawa, I had nice thick black hair. I cut it short because this is it. It's falling apart. It's, I mean, I said, you know, I'm, I'm just now trying to, to teach myself to get used to a day when there will be nothing. Right? And but yeah, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that, right? But yeah, and 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 it just reminds me of a passage of scripture in uh, in in Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes four, you know, where Solomon, who was the, who was the wisest man that ever lived, and he's and he wrote Ecclesiastes, and he was old, and he was just sitting by his porch, and he was actually dictating it to a young scribe. Right, just reminiscing about all the things he had gone through in life. But he says this, and he just reminds, and I paraphrase, that, you know, enjoy and worship the Lord in the days of your youth. Mm -hmm. Right? And when, you know, and, and just really, really go out of it. So I do have to confess something. I am a Pentecostal. And so we Pentecostals are what we call kinesthetic worshipers, right? We move, we shout, we yell, we swing from the chandeliers, and we ain't ashamed of it. Right? And, and, and because, I, I, you know, I, I, I have this one life to live, right. you know, and I'm not going to be able to take it anywhere else. Mm -hmm. And so that's why, you know, don't ever be afraid of having the joy of the Lord in you. Because just sometimes when you have the joy of the Lord in you, something happened. The song earlier on talked about the authority in, in God's word. When you walk in the authority of God and you are just a person of joy, even if you don't have all the answers in life, even if you're not the smartest person in the room, but God has a way of just finishing and balancing that equation for you yes. mm -hmm. and just takes care of stuff for you, yes. stuff that you didn't even know, and he'll give you wisdom beyond your years because that's what the Christian walk is all about, right? Yes. You'll have challenges. You know, you'll get people who are opposed to you because you're a Christian. And, you know, don't spread, don't fight. Just enjoy being a Christian. Glory yeah. to God. Amen? Amen. Don't ever be ashamed. So today I want to continue where, where the pastor was, uh, you know, he told me you've been talking about important questions in the Bible, right? So I, I, I thought, well, well, let me chime in. You know, I'll add my two cents. You know, I, I mean, this is like a bus that's already moving and I see it by the traffic lights and I push it, but it's already moving. So that's what I want to do. Just throw in my two cents. Amen? Amen? So relax, enjoy yourselves, and I promise I won't go that long. Most of you know I'm from Africa, and in Africa we don't preach by the clock. We preach by the calendar, you know. I mean, kids will fall asleep during the sermon and wake up halfway through and say, Mommy, Mommy, is it still Sunday? You know? and, and anyway, anyway, so moving right along. So we're going to talk about important questions from the Bible, right? 
And um, so it's a very popular passage of scripture. Everybody knows about this passage of scripture. When you go to Harvard, when Harvard was founded in the 1600s, this was their foundational scripture. When you go to Congress, right, you go to Washington, D.C., you will see it's etched on, 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 on marble. It's still there to this day, even amongst people. So people who are atheists, people who will vote against religion, people who will vote against your beliefs, people who will go against everything that's in the Bible, when they walk through that door every day, they come across that passage of Scripture every day because it's foundational, it's written. You look at many universities across the world who don't even name the name of Christ today, it's there. This university, that's what's in our seal today, right? And it's a very popular passage of Scripture. Many passages of Scriptures are very popular. I was looking through social media because I kind of woke up at midnight last night. I haven't been to bed since midnight. Please don't ask me why I woke up at midnight, but I just kind of did. And so I decided to go on social media, and I was looking at different people's bios, right? Different students here, looking for the different scriptures that they use, right? And, you know, because, you know, most of you, you've got a little scripture on your little, pa- on, you know, on your bio, right? It's kind of like, hey, you know, I'm a Christian, bam, you know, deal with it. <laughs> and that's kind of what you do, right? You just, you just, you know, you just kind of want to let somebody know, hey, you know, hey, I do read the Bible once in a while. So, I'm, so you know, I'm going through this and I'm thinking, you know, guess what, Pastor? I thought I was going to see one John 3, 6, 6, 16. Not one. Not one person at John 3, 16. In my time, that was the end thing. You know, it was bell bottoms, platform shoes, and John 3.16. And a VW, you know, uh, bus. That was the thing, you know. You throw in a John 3.16 once in a while, and John 3.16 became even the best pickup line in church. You, know, you couldn't get a date unless you could say what John 3.16 was about from the NIV Bible and the King James Bible, and you were right there. Right. Of course, the second best pickup line was, hey, I'm the one who put stud in Bible study. Right. And, but anyway, moving right along. So John 8, 31, 32. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciple. Now, he didn't say if you read the Bible, he didn't say if you come to church, you know, because, you know, if you, sl- if you spend the night in the garage, that don't make you a car, right? You know that. So just, you know, just hang around with Christians. They're not going to make you a Christian at all. And what differentiates you from anybody else is are those who hold on to Jesus' teaching. You know, we're looking at a generation today that have a smithering of Christianity and truth. And the Bible says, you know, they have a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. And they heap to themselves teachers for their itching ear. They just have itching ear, like somebody walks, going around looking for gossip. But they refuse to have an encounter with the transformational truth of the Bible. So Jesus said, if you hold on to my teaching, I want to tell you something. I've had lots of problems in my life. You know, I've encountered lots of problems in my life. But I found out the thing that saved me the most is when I held on to the teaching of Jesus Christ. When there was nobody around to encourage me. When there was nobody around to pick up the phone and say, Reg, I want to encourage you. I held on to the teaching of Jesus Christ. I was vilified. There was a fatwa declared against me by the Muslims in Morocco because one of my deans had expelled a Muslim. And yet, I was so afraid. I thought I would never travel outside the U.S. I held on to the teachings of Jesus Christ. 
when my son laid flat and coded, you know, so, and they had to revive him to come back to life. You know, and my wife's crying, and I'm there, I'm panicking. And, you know, most of you have seen him on campus, you know, and that sucker came back, and he came back with a vengeance. Yeah. You know, and, and we've felt it ever since, right? But I held on to the teaching of Jesus Christ. That's all I got. You know, I'm president here not because I'm the smartest person in the room. But I held on to the teaching of Jesus Christ. So that's what he's saying, right? And then he says this. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So I want to talk just a little bit about those important questions in the Bible, right? What, you know, so today it's just one question that most of you has probably read about. And this is about Jesus during the time of what we call Passion Week. And we're going towards Easter, right? Passion Week. And he goes before Pontius Pilate. And you all know the story. And here's the dialogue. We'll pick it right up here. And so this is Pontius Pilate kind of having tongue in cheek with Jesus. And then he says, by the way, the PowerPoint is right there. And you can have it and do whatever you want to do with it, etc., etc. Right? And then he said, then you are a king. This is Pontius Pilate saying this to Jesus, right? It's, then you're a king. You know, it's kind of like I was in Bolivia. You know, and I was doing a crusade in Bolivia in 2017, and, and you know, somebody came and said, so you're a healer, right? Because I, I believe in healing. You know, kind of like, well, you know, they're just, just trying to prod you right. into some sort of response that will either dishonor God or, or, or tempt God. So then you're a king, Pilate said. And uh, Jesus said, you say that I'm a king, Jesus answered. But for this reason, I was born and have come into the world, we call that the incarnation, right? And so very many passages of scripture in the Bible talks about the reason why Jesus came. Jesus once in a while said, I came that you, know, that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Yeah. Right. Zoe, the God kind of life, that you might have abundant life. Yeah. Just when you think you've had life, Jesus said, just wait a minute, baby. I ain't done with you yet, right? And Paul said, he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ever think, ask, or imagine according to the power that works on the inside of you. In other words, you ain't seen nothing yet, baby, right? Just when you think you've seen it all, Jesus says, I will blow your mind. And I, I, you will, I, I mean, your wildest dream, just when you think you've prayed the wildest prayer, Jesus is going, you ain't started yet, right? And so, let's say, say, you know, I have come into this world. You know, the other thing, we sang one of the songs earlier on that talked about, you know, the authority and the power of God. And, and we're talking about, you know, uh, the, the resisting powers, they will be defeated, right? Yeah. What was say? For this reason was the Son of Man made manifest, that he might destroy yes. the works of the evil one. And once in a while, you will encounter opposition. You will encounter whether it's opposition from within, whether it's a spirit of doubt, whether it's an inferiority complex, whether it's fear. Then you remember the words of Timothy where Paul wrote to Timothy and said, listen, listen, listen. You know, for God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and of a sound mind. And said, don't ever look down on yourself because of your youthfulness, but be, be an example in weed, in character, and in deed. So then let's continue. And he says, and everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice, right? Yeah. So after Jesus has been eloquent, then Pilate walks and asks this important biblical question. What is truth? What is truth? So Joe, when you were a sophomore, I, took, I talked about what is truth on this campus. And I went around and I did a survey. So I filmed, so there was a video that I filmed, right? And I went and we asked, if we asked this question, 
We went everywhere. We went in the cafeteria. I went and I asked professors. I went to a dawe and I asked different what is truth and everybody kind of gave their answers. I got some of the wackiest answers I've ever gotten ever from people with PhDs. I mean, I'm going, dear Lord. Are we still on the same planet? It was like living in the twilight zone. Really? Really? Look at the wackiest answers. Right? Then I walked into, I walked into, you know, into the cafeteria. I I can't remember his name. He was an African-American student. He was a freshman. And I asked him, I put the microphone, he said, what is truth? And he looked at me. He said, truth is in the person of Jesus Christ. Whoa, glory to God. You take that to the professor, they'll look at you like, uh, you know, he's nuts. But he was right. Right? Pontius Pilate stood there. And a tongue-in-cheek and said, what is truth? Have you ever stopped to ask yourself that question? I mean, and how do you study truth? You know, philosophers have, an, have their own approach on studying truth by asking all kinds of questions and rhetorical questions and Socratic questions. And, you know, and they have their own way. In ethics, you know, truth sometimes is attached to behaviors that, you know, and we think, okay, you know, this behavior is right, this behavior is right, therefore, you know, somehow there's truth in there somewhere. It's all subjective. You know, it's all in what makes everybody feel good, what makes everybody get good. It's like, you know, and I had to use this example, but I'm going to use it anyway because I wasn't always a Christian. Okay, folks? It's like these dudes sitting in there and sharing a joint and just having a good time, right? And they think, we're just having the best time ever with fellowshipping, you know? Sorry, Lord, I shouldn't have mentioned the joint. <laughs> I won't mention a joint anymore, ever again. But, but, right? And so they do that, right? And then in theology, you know, we have our own approach on how to talk about truth. And then in sociology, it's about the behavior of people. They have their approaches. And psychology, uh, you know, what is truth? They have their approach, right? And science, you know, unless I can prove it in a test tube, unless I can verify it, then I, it's objective, then I can say it's true. Unless I can see it with my own eyes, because if I can't see it with my own eyes, then it can't be true. That's the scientific method, right? Yeah. You can have one plus one, and you get two, you can see the one, you can see the other one, and you go over there, there's two of them, right? It's a scientific method. That's the prevailing philosophy in most, in most universities, right? And so what's missing there? What we call the metaphysical what we call the spiritual aspect, right? Because you can't see the spirit, therefore it cannot be true, right? And they'll argue with you. You can't write a paper on sociology and say, well, I'd like to use a spiritual, uh, philosophical angle. They're going to tell you, hey, a textbook, I don't know what you've been smoking or somebody spiked your grits this morning, but you need to read a proper textbook, right? Are you with me? And then historical, right? And you look back at history, you revise history, you say, therefore, that must have been truth. But exactly how would we study truth? So what I want to say, and I'm, this is the last time I'm throwing a big word, I promise you, I promise you I'm not going to do this again, right? So there's a whole study called epistemology, which is what counts as knowledge, right? So whatever counts as knowledge to you drives what counts as truth. I will give you an example, right? If you believe in the Holy Spirit, we sang about the Holy Spirit. You can't see the Holy Spirit. If you believe in the Holy Spirit, therefore, from then onwards, what counts as truth to you, you've just, you've just opened it up, right? 
If you do not believe in the Holy Spirit, or if you do not believe in anything supernatural, then what counts as truth to you is narrower because you've chosen to disregard a whole spectrum of what counts as truth. Are you with me? So therefore, anything that happens after, you know, if we talk about, if we talk about healing, you know, the doctor's going to go, yeah, no, I don't believe in any of that, so that can't be healing. You know, unless I give you an injection or put you on a drug, that can't be healing. Right? So a lot of people, when they look at what truth is, and it's based on what I call a worldview, right? A worldview is like wearing sunglasses. And when you're wearing green sunglasses, the world looks green, right? <laughs> wearing blue sunglasses, the world looks blue. That's your worldview. That's how you see the world, right? It's kind of like the guy who had been, you know, who had just eaten Lamborghini cheese and some of it was stuck in his mustache. And he went into this room, said, that stinks in here. He went into another room, that stinks in here, went outside. Oh, yeah, the whole world stinks, right? But it was the stink from his own mustache. Are you with me? That's the same thing about your worldview. It's how you see the worldview, right? Have you ever entered, if you enter into a room of people that have been eating garlic all day, right? And you walk in there, you go, what on earth are you people thinking about? But as soon as you've been in there 10 minutes, you stop smelling the garlic, right? You stop. It's like, have you ever lived near a railway? Right? Anybody who grew up living near, near a railway, right? The first few months, you heard the train. After that, you say, has there been a train on this episode? Right? It's just, that's exactly what it is. So your worldview is what you are used to viewing the world through, right? So if, it's, if there's relativism, well, it's all relative, Right? That Gen Z mantra, whatever, right? And then constructivism, you think, well, we want to put truth together. And agnosticism, well, we have a professor here who's an agnostic, but a good friend of mine. Atheism, they deny the existence of God, which is so funny because it takes more faith to be an atheist than to be a Christian. Because for you to actually believe that there's nothing, my God, you need to be, have more faith than me who choose to believe there's something. And besides, the reference point, you've got to start with the reference point, right? So if you are denying the existence of something, you've got to start with the assumption that there's something to deny, right? Isn't that so, right? You know, it's, it's, it's like, okay, what am I denying? I'm denying that. Well, then it exists. Why are you denying it? Right? What do you point? Well, that, no. I, well, so that's why I say it takes more faith to be an atheist than to be a Christian. And naturalism and postmodernism. Postmodernism, you know, uh, you know, where they use common, you know, it's like, let's vote on what truth is, right? Community comes in. So it's a worldview, right? That's why your worldview is very important. Because that's how your value system is defined by your worldview. And what you view as truth is driven to a great extent by what your worldview is. When you open that Bible and you read it. Two people could read the same passage of scripture and come to two different conclusions because their worldviews are different. Right? The Bible says, unto the pure, all things are pure. Unto those who are defiled, all things are defiled. It's all about your disposition. Right? As you approach that Bible, what is your disposition towards what you're about to read? Right? If your disposition is one of seeking truth, you will find truth. It's like reading Revelations. Right? That's one scary book. Yeah. You know, I went, I went to Ottawa Bible the other day and Dakota was preaching from Revelation. I'm going, dear God, brother. You know, there's all 65 of them books and you pick the one that gives us nightmares. Right? But you know why? Because for the longest time we've been taught to look for the devil in Revelation. If you go into Revelation and you're just looking for the Antichrist, the devil, head of the world, that's what you're going to find. Right? But if you're looking for Jesus, if you're looking for hope, 
If you are looking for the word Maranatha, even so come Lord Jesus, you will find it and you will walk away encouraged. It's your disposition. Y'all with me? Moving right along, right? So, truth. And I threw this word at you. And so there's three types of truth that I want. Now there's objective truth and subjective truth. I choose to go this way because I just want to be different, right? So it's what I call created truth, right? It's truth that we create. So let me give you an example, right? Is it Wednesday night today? Yes. It's Wednesday night. No. Really? Yes. Really? Yes. Is it? Why is it Wednesday night? subject to time, it's subject to place, it's just created truth, right? Then there's creative truth, right? Creative truth, almost similar thing, it's 916, it's what I call it is, right, 916, right? And in some places, it's 2116, in India, there are 30 minutes difference, right? Because that's just what they want to do with the rest of the world. We know we have time zones are every hour, but in India they had 15 minutes. But it's still, we're still enjoying the same moment in the history of humanity, but we label it different. Creative truth, right? But it's but it's changes, and it means one thing to another, right? I eat fish. I don't eat meat, but I eat fish. But I also eat bugs. And if you see me on Instagram, I, I, I cook this box, right? You've seen those, what I mean? Bobby, right? Let's do it. And, and, and so, so you go to Africa and you tell some Africans that you eat shrimp and crabs. They're going to look at you and they go, really? And you're the one that lives in the first world and we're the third world? I don't look at you like, you've got to be crazy. It's the land of plenty. Why are you eating crabs? When I grew up, if you were fishing and you caught a crab, you had to give your back to the ocean and throw it back because it made bad luck. Was well, a delicacy, right? But when I grew up, we would go to the field after we burned the fields and look for mice because they sure taste good. What? Right? And you come there and say, I, why are you eating a mouse? I'm going, yeah. Speak for yourself. You're the one that eats crabs and lobsters. <laughs> a hundred years ago, a case almost went to the Supreme Court because prisoners were represented by a lawyer who thought it was cruel and unusual punishment to feed prisoners lobster. New England. hundred years ago, it was cruel and unusual punishment to feed prisoners lobsters. hundred years later, it cost so much. There's a whole restaurant named after that little creature. Right? Why? 
It was truth one day, it was, it's not. Then we talk about creator truth. And that truth with a capital T, that is born, that is created in the person of Jesus Christ. It transcends time. It transcends culture. If it's true for you, it's true for Moses Mangurenje in the middle of the bush in the Kalahari Desert. It's truth that transcends culture. It transcends time. It's true tomorrow. It's true yesterday. It's true next week. It's going to be true for your grandchildren as it was true for your great-grandfather. It's going to be true when you're driving a Mercedes-Benz or when you're riding at the back of a donkey. It's true. Right? It transcends culture. Transcends. This is why Christianity is the most transcendent religion of all of them. Because it's, it's for everybody. You know, in Islam, to, re, to read the Quran, sometimes you have to learn, you know, it, you, you, in, you could not have a Quran in another language. Because it's so culture-based. But the truth of the Bible transcends culture. For the guy who's changing your oil at the Jiffy Loop, it's true. Yep. To the DJ on the radio, it's true. Yeah. That's right. To the college president, it's true. Yeah. To the person flying a jumbo jet, it's true. Yeah. To the prime minister of India, it's true. Yeah. It transcends time, it transcends religion. It doesn't matter whose mouth it's coming from, whether it's coming from a toddler, a grandparent, a Muslim, whatever it is. If it's truth and it's the type of truth that has come from God, Truth is truth is truth. That's what we call creator truth. Yes. Yes. And it's based on the person of Jesus Christ. Yes. He is the measuring rod upon which we can determine whether something is true or not. Right. You know, Colossians 1 says, let the peace of God rule with all finality, right? It's like, it's like when, I was, when I was growing up, we used to watch John McEnroe. He was my favorite tennis player, right? 1979, he did a song that was called Chalk Dust. You know, because he was the bad boy of tennis. He used to cuss at them umpires. He used to do it. So it was way before any of this. And uh, so they made a song out of it. It was called Chalk Dust. Where John McEnroe would be throwing a tantrum on the field and say, Chalk Dust. And he's threatening to sue the umpire. I want to talk my lawyer about Chalk Dust, right? <laughs> and because the umpire had said, it's out. So when the Bible says, let the truth of God rule with all finality, it says, let this truth that comes from God be the umpire that tells you whether something is in or whether something is out. Right? right? right. And when it's out, you don't feel the peace of God on the inside. That's why I say the peace of God. Yeah. Yeah. So are you trying to make a decision about something? You know it. Oh, pretend we'll, we'll go pray about it. Oh, you already know the answer. You're just trying to twist God's hand to changing his mind. Why need to fast about this one? No, you're not trying to fast. You're going on a hunger strike, hoping that God changes his mind. You already know. You do, you're already lacking peace on the inside of you because the Holy Spirit is talking to you about stuff. And you already know it doesn't measure up to the truth. You know that you've read in the Bible, but you're hoping to find some obscure scripture somewhere that can let you do stuff. I don't want to mess with you, okay? Moving right along. Right? I'm going to skip this, right? I'll just skip right over this. So, let's talk about truth. So, so truth is, is based on the person of Jesus Christ. You have to have a measuring rod. Yeah. We all do. I mean, imagine you call a contractor to build a house. And the contractor comes to, well, I tend to just eyeball everything I've ever done. I have never used the spirit level for the last 20 years. Oh, the last time I owned one of those. And I don't employ anybody who still want to use one of those because they don't know what they're doing. I just eyeball this stuff, and I've been doing this for years. 
you're going to fight that contractor, right? Because you're going to go, you know, I'd like us to use some standards that are transcendent. Some standards that are right for you, for you, for you, for you. So when an inspector comes and you say it was six inches, it is six inches for you. When, you know, when a plumber comes, it's still six. You you see what I mean? Right? We all do that, but we don't do that with the word of God. We don't do that. Jesus is who determines what is truth for us. And when you have an encounter and you have an, and what I call a transforming relationship with him, it makes it easier for you to read that Bible and come to the right conclusion. Regardless of whether you have a religion degree or not. So so one young lady uh, was doing a study abroad in Germany and uh, she was was, was studying German literature. (coughs) And uh, so she had read this book. It's a difficult book. She couldn't understand it. So she, she goes to this place and she had a roommate. She's just sitting reading this book, cannot. Just tough, tough, tough. The roommate said, well, why don't you just walk away from it? Uh, there's a ball. You know, let's go to this ball and dance, and then we'll come back after you fresh. So she went along. You know, so she's just sitting there looking all bored. You know, then she meets this dashing young man. Tall, dark, and handsome. Very polite. The kind of young man that your mom would say, mm, mm, that's good. Bring that one home. <laughs> right? And, and so, you know, the young man asked for a dance. And they start dancing, and he introduces himself. And she's going, well, your name kind of sounds familiar. What do you do? He said, well, I've written a few books. You know, da, da, da. I said, what did you write? Did you, read, did you write a book called? Da, da, da. I said, yeah, I wrote that book. And so they start talking. And they start talking. When the evening was over, she went back with her roommate, and she went back to the desk, and she started reading, started reading. And the roommate said, whoa, whoa, you know, what happened? You know, something changed. And she said, girl, I, I don't know. I'm just finding it easier to understand this stuff now. And said, what changed? He said, because I met the author. So when you have a transformational relationship with Jesus, you've met the author of the Bible, and it's easier for you to understand and derive what is truth. Mm-hmm. As opposed to people who don't have a relationship with Christ, and they try to treat you what the truth is, mm-hmm. they don't have that perspective. Right. Their worldview is all wrong. You can have a non-Christian worldview of interpreting the Bible. And we've seen it. Mm -hmm. We see people today who insist on serving God on their terms, not on God's terms. Right? Right? Let's imagine the day you get married and it's time to exchange vows and uh, your spouse-to-be goes, well, I just need you to tell you how it's going to (laughs) be. You know? I'm just just going to, I roll different. I'm just going to roll the way I like. And on and on, I said, so I just need you to know you're going to deal with that right now because that's just who I am. Right? And every, you know, every solstice, I pray, I'm, I'm, I'm a grand wizard or whatever. Right? <laughs> just deal with that because I've been doing this in our family for so long. And it, you know, uh, you're going to look at that and go, uh, Reverend, um, I think I need time out. This is not happening, right? Right? You're going to go, no. no but that's what, that's what some people are trying to do to God today. I'm coming into a relationship with you, but here are my terms. I'm going to behave this way. I'm going to behave this way. I'm going to see this this way. And by the way, while I'm still reading you this list, I passed your scripture in that Bible. This is exactly what it means. And this is what you meant for it to mean, Lord. <laughs> Instead of just surrendering yes. yeah. and saying, I-, I have no idea. Yeah. 
But all I know is, when I come into a relationship with you, I am going to comprehend truth. Right? So truth transcends culture, time, and context. Truth liberates where falsity is imprisoned. Right. You know, we're looking at a generation that though they appear to be happy, but they are in prisons that we cannot see. Yeah. You know, yeah, we, we struggle. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff going on nowadays, yeah. right? That the things that if you believe in Jesus, you can believe God for. Yeah. Things like healing. Yeah. You know, for healing for your mental health. Yeah. You know, healing for your physical body. Yeah. You know, I've seen it in my own life because I chose to have that relationship yeah. with Jesus. Yeah. Just healing. You know, and simple things like that. You know, but we're looking at a generation that you know you cannot you cannot give counseling to a demon. You know, it's just then there's only one thing to do. It's it's cast it out. Oh no, we don't talk about it. We don't talk about it. And let's talk about it. I'll just go right on reflection. No, cast that sucker out. But if that's not part of your truth, you will learn to live with stuff you have no business living with. That's right. And you and you will be born on original, but you will die a miserable fake cop. Because you chose to live with something you have no business living with because of what your truth is and falsities and the spirit of the age has seduced the the generation into believing stuff that is not anywhere biblical. And truth is the standard by which we base and judge everything in life and in existence. My two favorite, St. Augustine. St. Augustine, oh no, St. Anselm of Canterbury talked about faith-seeking understanding. You know, most of the world tells you, try to understand faith first before you have faith. Mm -hmm. But we choose to have faith knowing that by having faith, God's going to give us understanding. What comes first for you? Mm -hmm. St. Augustine said, believe so that you may understand. And that famous prayer, Lord, Lord, I don't, Lord, I, I don't seek to understand so that I may believe, but I seek to believe so that I may understand. Yeah. You can't, you, know, you ever talk to a realtor who's trying to sell you a house? <laughs> what do they want to do? They want to get you inside the house, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they can describe how beautiful it is on the outside, but until they get you inside the house, you know, that's what, and especially if your wife comes along, they gotta see the kitchen, right? <laughs> and the bathrooms. Oh, and those closets, and well, and if it has two shoe closets, that's our new home right there. <laughs> right? It, it doesn't matter. Didn't matter anything. You know, my wife went with the realtor, and before I could get off work to go look at them, she said, "Don't you no need to come and find the house." When did you find it? It was the only house she looked at. Why? The shoe closets. <laughs> I, I don't live in a shoe closet. I know you don't live in a shoe closet. But this is the house you're going to live in. Go from now on. I'm a good husband? Listen, yes, I <laughs> Where are the bedrooms? I don't know, but I know where the shoe closet is. <laughs> and, and right here, you can put a fridge with double doors. You can only appreciate something by going into, inside of it. That's right. the same yeah. thing with Christianity. Same thing with the relationship. You know, I can't describe it to you. I can't make you read books. Mm-hmm. Up until you enter into a relationship with Jesus, does truth become open to you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <coughs> That's right. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Pontius Pilate said, what is truth? Mm-hmm. What is truth? 
each one of you at some point. You're going to have to answer that question for yourself. Yeah. When you watch something on TV, ask that question. What is truth? When you're raising your kids, what is truth? When you're sitting in your discipline and you're listening to a professor, be respectful. But there are times when I've listened to a professor, I this in the original Greek is baloney. <laughs> but I respect. I don't, don't touch me at all. Doesn't get in, I don't, I don't even get into my spirit. I don't let myself be tainted. Yeah. Because I know what truth is. Right. But I will fellowship with anybody. Yeah. 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 That's right. But I don't let him get inside. That's good. Because I know what truth is. Yeah. yeah. That's right. I hold on to it. Yeah. yeah. And God gave me the grace to be able to do that early enough in my life. Which mm. is what I'm going to pray for you right now. So yeah. bow your heads. Let me pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for every person under the sound of my voice. Pontius Pilate asked, what is truth? And Father, in just these few moments, we know you do your profound work. As each person here begins to search, wonder, explore, but I know that through a transformational relationship with you, they will know what truth is in every circumstance of their lives. I'm asking for your hand upon their lives, and I'm asking for your blessing tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.